Hello and welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your regular host. I've got another bonus episode coming your way. This time I turn the mic over to my colleague Susie Weir, who's been a guest on this podcast. She interviewed Gina Riley about the importance of understanding these younger generations, specifically those in the Gen Z, which are born after about 1990, and Gen Y, also known as millennials, who are ranging from like ages 26 all the way up to 41. And this discussion touches on this concept of the latchkey workforce and the importance of understanding the needs and expectation of the younger employees in the workplace. And really the center of this discussion around, you know, with especially with the pandemic time where you might have both parents working and now they're all of a sudden working remotely And so particularly Gen Z, who may have still been at home and in school, parents were just putting them in front of screens, you know, doing their schoolwork or or playing on iPads and phones. And that was sort of like they're kind of left alone, which kind of relates to the latchkey kids during the boomer and Xer generations. So it's just a little different. And they kind of touch on all of that. And just really dive into the needs of this group because they're becoming a huge portion of the workforce. Now you have Gen Z millennials. Millennials are a huge portion of the workforce already. And Gen Z is making their way into the workforce and their needs are completely different. So Susie dives into this whole thing with Gina. I think you're really going to love this. There's also a YouTube version of this podcast. So if you go to YouTube, you'd see the video version of this. Go check that out and make sure to connect with Susie and Gina on social media. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday where we have a regular episode with me and a guest. Enjoy. I'm happy to be sitting here with Gina Riley today. Gina and I had an opportunity to meet for the first time at this year's HR Disrupt in Portland. And we were both speakers and Gina spoke on a topic that was of particular interest to me and one that I think more people need to know about. And so I reached out and invited her to be on our podcast. So Quick introduction of Gina. She's an authority in career transition. She has a background as an HR professional, career transition coach, executive search consultant, and interview skills trainer, who's applied her expertise working with leaders and executives with her trademarked career velocity system. She holds a master's degree in whole systems design and is a certified UMAP coach. And you can find out more about Gina or contact her directly at GinaRileyConsulting.com. And we can include that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for, for being willing to do this with me, Gina. I'm so excited. I, I think that we all need to be talking about this topic more. Yes, I agree. And, and as I shared with you, I have children who are entering the workforce or who will be over the next few years, as well as employees in our organization who are younger, who fit that Gen Z category. So when we talk about Gen Z, it's generally those born after 1996. 
Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's kids that are kids and people who are ages like 10 to 25. Okay. I think that's what it is. I don't know the years. I didn't back into that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And I think there's, there's some different numbers out there, but I think it's roughly, you know, people up to 25 years of age, which, you know, those are folks that are coming out of college and they're coming into entry-level positions within our, our businesses and organizations. I know we have a few employees. And then there's also the Gen Y, which makes up the largest demographic of, of our workforce now, or at least close to that. And so those are folks that are up 26 all the way up to maybe 40, 41. So there are definitely similarities or some trends in terms of values and needs related to these younger workers and also some concerns that have arisen since COVID. And so I just, first I'd like to, you know, just hear from you, Gina, what really inspired you to speak about this younger generation in the workplace? Yeah, well, as you know, with Disrupt HR, we only get five minutes to kind of get our point across. So I started off with like, you know, eight pages of notes and stripped it down to the 20 slide talking points. So there's a lot to unpack. What really has inspired me is truly just having my own children that are in this sweet spot, ages 20 and 22. They're both in college. My youngest was 17 when the pandemic hit and finished graduation from his bedroom, you know, didn't have a formal graduation ceremony, didn't have a senior prom or party. All of those things got washed over. So what we have are adolescents who are blossoming into their, you know, young adulthood. And for those that do go to college, they haven't had these normal social transitions. They haven't had a chance to, you know, imagine back when, you know, any of us were in high school and we you know, we were forming new relationships, maybe having boyfriends and girlfriends, breaking up with people, navigating challenging conversations with teachers and our peers. But now we're locked in our room without that, all those opportunities to grow in our communication and our leadership skills. And then we go off to college and we have our first year, if we're lucky enough to even go away because some people chose not to. It's very expensive to go sit in a dorm room. My child was in a dorm room with one roommate and didn't have didn't get to join clubs, didn't get to go and, you know, interact with professors and navigate even asking for help. Mm-hmm. You know? So what has inspired me is truly starting from a place of my own vantage point as a parent and someone who talks with plenty of other parents about their experiences. And for many of us, you know, for those of us who have more than one child, parent after parent will say, one of my children is doing okay. They're doing quite well. And then my other one, they're having a really hard time. And it doesn't matter what socioeconomic class one is coming from or any of those other factors when you're coming from disadvantage, it just exacerbates all the additional problems that these adolescents are facing. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. I, and I could, as you do, relate to that personally with, with my family. All of my kids agree that COVID was not great for their mental health and their, and their well-being. And, and there's clear evidence out there that states that there was an increase in anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. uh, especially with that age group and a decline in a sense of hope and optimism about the future. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're they're struggling with their own well-being and mental health mm-hmm. in addition to right trying to navigate their future and careers and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I think that you know the last two years have been especially especially challenging for everybody, but also that younger group. I agree. And and I quoted in my presentation, it was either at the end of 2020 or 2021, when the U.S. Surgeon General actually issued a public health advisory warning us about the state of the mental health of our youth. And, and what he said was it was exacerbated by the pandemic. Hmm. That means they were already doing research and studies prior to the pandemic that are warning all of us that we have a problem. So we cannot blame it solely on the pandemic mm. where I believe, and this is where my opinion comes in, right? As a person, you know, as a parent, someone who's involved with my community, I, I think a lot of it is driven by technology. Now is technology bad? No, technology is not bad. But for those of us who had children who blossomed during the time when we had things like iPads and iPhones, my kids were starting off with the Nintendo DS. This is like before really, you know, they had other screens in front of them. My kids still remember popping in VHS tapes. My kids know what seed musical CDs are. And they even refer to them with their friends and their friends were like, I don't know what you're talking about. So even just a few years younger from my 22 year old at the top end of the Z mark mm-hmm. with someone who's 11 there's a huge disparate gap between like what my children have experienced growing up with technology as it has blossomed and those who are only 11. And all of these kids are spending a lot of their time with their face in front of a screen and not a lot of time with other human beings in person, having opportunities to grow their communication skills. Yes. Yeah, I agree. You know, as someone who is really passionate about training and coaching around social and emotional intelligence, I I really believe, I mean, there's always been a need for that type of training in skill development, but I really believe there's going to be a greater need for, for the reasons that you just stated. I think the reliance on technology, right? There's the, the good and the bad, right? The over-reliance on that for relationship building and connecting with people has some negative implications, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the impact on employees specifically, so these younger employees, you know, what are some of the things that, that you've discovered? Well, part of, part of my keynote was really about drawing a correlation between those of us who had opportunities to enter the work ecosystem in our early twenties after college, for those of us that went to college with you know, so many chances to have mentors, sponsors, people that were role models, or even people who were not good role models, maybe the opposite, where we could witness, learn, grow, and get feedback, you know, in and in insights into our own self-development because that external window <laughs> and viewpoint is so critical to our success. And so what I what I believe is that if our kids are not going to get those opportunities. Our Gen Zers will have such diminished opportunities for real human connection and for people to really see them and get to know them and see how they operate. There's a whole different thing. If I show up 
for a one hour meeting with my boss and maybe my boss's boss. And I get to see some interaction happening there. But what happens when I hit the off button on, on Zoom and I go and do my next thing, I'm not seeing what would have been the hallway conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to be grabbed and taken for a coffee with the boss and the boss's boss. Hey, let's go get that coffee. Oh, it's lunch. Let's go do that. We have huge missed opportunities for that. Does it mean we all have to be in the office five days a week? Absolutely not. But what I'm trying to persuade people to think about is we as companies and employees need to be intentional about how we spend time together. Yeah. And we need to be willing to do it. I have talked to a lot of parents about, especially since doing this keynote, who have younger kids. We'll just say kids that are like in that sweet spot where they're really busy and they're going to activities, you know, age 10 and 11 and 12, you know, you've got soccer or football, whatever's happening. Well, it's really convenient to be home. But once you start mentioning the idea that your 10-year-old down the line is going to need people like you in an office to be that manager of the future and to grow those people and that talent so you can move up into your executive roles so that we have viable options of people that we've been training all along to be managers. Yeah. That is very confronting. That is when I get a real, that's when people's eyes pop open. Like, oh, that means me. That means I have to be willing to let go of this comfortable place that I'm in, in my ecosystem of home mm -hmm. and look more broadly at, at what I'm serving in my community, for my profession, for my companies. Yeah. And, and that's where I think mentorship becomes really important. And oftentimes mentorship is organic. You know, oftentimes that's the best fit too. Yeah. And I've personally seen since we moved to even hybrid work, which personally I think is ideal because you get, you know, a little bit of both, but, you know, we still have some employees who only come into the office one or two days a week based on the work that they do. And when there isn't proximity, right, folks sitting together, you're not able to bounce ideas off of each other, get quick input on, hey, I just had this client call and, and have this issue. Here's what I'm thinking, but what do you think? What have you seen with your clients, right? So we're, we're a consulting company and no, you know, HR, not one situation is the same. So here, you know, you're trying to come up with some good, good guidance and options for your clients on how to approach different situations and having someone sitting next to you and just hearing them talking to their clients or being able to, you know, work through things is such a huge part of your learning and growth in your job, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those, like you said, natural opportunities or consistent opportunities, or you don't have someone that you can look around to as a mentor, that has to impact. And I know it does personally for some of our employees that impacts your sense of, you know, value and accomplishment. Yeah. And purpose and purpose, and your, pur your, your sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. A lot of our, our adolescents and, and young adults are struggling with their purpose. It, they, these, the, this generation cares about their place in the world. And if they're going to have an impact, whatever that looks like. And it is really difficult 
to have your purpose just swell up from within you when you're 18 years old. Like, I didn't know for sure what I should study when I went to college, let alone my whole purpose in life. I mean, some people know I'm going to be a doctor and here's the track. But if you ask like, you know, 10 people, if they knew exactly what it was, I would say probably what one or two (laughs) you know, might say, yeah, I was right there. And I, and I followed it and I did it, but who's going to be around for those people. And it, you know, I'm a parent, I'm here for my kids, but there's only so much as you know, as a parent, right. They, they can only hear so much from us by the time they're 18, they need some other outside influences. I'm, I'm a career coach. I've got a lot of ammo to help my kids, but there's only a point they can accept my help. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing a lot from our younger employees is they want development. They want to advance in their career. They're they're anxious to know what's next. Mm -hmm. They want to take advantage of learning opportunities. They also care about the, you know, the employer's commitment to equity and inclusion and Mm -hmm. mental health and well-being. And so, you know, what, what recommendations do you have for employers who really have a lot of younger employees and care and want to support those, those folks? I think it's going to come down to good organizational design. You know, it's, it's going, I think that there will be a really wonderful place for HR professionals, OD professionals, leadership coaches to consult with companies to help them imagine the culture and the environment that they want to develop because every culture is different. They're their own, they have their own set of mission values, right? So that's where I think that we have a lot of work to do is being very intentional about how we design that workplace that people want to come to, what we do when we're together, and then you know, how we're leading and managing remotely. So I think that's the short answer is it's going to come down to organizational design customized to that environment, but it has to be flexible. It's not one and done. If a company is going to grow and scale, then you'd have to revisit your model to make sure everything's healthy and and growing and evolving, kind of like physical checks or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, being in the leadership development field, I think that it it's important to set the expectation with leaders that it's your responsibility to invest in developing employees. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe that even includes building that into their performance expectations or compensation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've built out career development tools and programs, and I've rolled them out to employees and leaders, and they just sit because the employee may not feel comfortable enough taking the initiative to have those conversations with their supervisor. The supervisor is busy and focused more on the work Mm -hmm. versus having those proactive career planning discussions. They may be nervous about having that conversation because they don't know if or when a promotion might be available. But I really feel like that has to be normalized communication. Like we have to be asking people, what are your aspirations? Are you feeling challenged and fully utilized? Where Mm -hmm. can we provide more additional training and support? Because we have a retention issue. 
in our workplace, right? The market's still very competitive. Who knows what it's going to be like going into 2023? Right. Like a lot of the same. So, um, you know, I think it's worth compelling leadership and other, even maybe subject matter experts or technical professionals to give back in the form of some mentorship or development. Mm -hmm. All of that. Yes to all of that. But what underpins what what will need to take place is some structure and communication skills building. And if we're being honest with ourselves, with the people I talk with, the parents I talk with, not the communication skills is lacking across, you know, our youth. Now, some of us may have it worse than others with with that. And part of that is that isolation. They're they're very comfortable talking with people through, you know, their gaming devices or texting with each other. But the nuances of interpersonal communication mm-hmm. is a skill that we develop. We don't just roll off the turnip truck and know how to constructively confront people when we're upset. Those were things that I was learning in in leadership programs at age 15 and 16. And 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 again in college where you know I was an RA and I was you know getting very systematic programming to help be that guide and mentor for people that were living on my floor for example and then again I worked at Intel for a decade we had lots of classes to help really infuse into the culture the values that were underpinning how we were going to work together, one of which was constructive confrontation, which some people can see as a, you know, a negative, you know, maybe not such a positive. But the outcome when we know how to navigate challenging conversations is getting to the truth of things Mm -hmm. and, and connecting with people in a different way and maybe forming a stronger, healthier bond because we can be honest. But we usually have a hard time being honest if we haven't had a chance to build trust. How can we build trust and have people also feel like they belong to an organization when we are just popping on a screen for one hour blips throughout any given week? I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a barrier, (laughs) right? A barrier to building relationships and trust. And, you know, it's funny I did some my own little personal research. I was looking for studies around proximity, mm. you know, physical proximity in the workplace. And I found a study, a published study by MIT Sloan. And I think if I remember correctly, don't quote me, but um, <laughs> I believe it was done back. Remember when we were discussing these open workplace workspaces where the cubes came down and we were doing these open workspaces and that was supposed to contribute to more collaboration. And so there was research done on the impact of that physical proximity and the positives that came out of that study were that people were more easily able to relate with each other, which did contribute to better relationships, better trust. I know from my work, things move at the speed of trust. So back to your point, if I have a barrier of only being able to communicate or connect with someone through video, it's going to at least take me longer to to build that trust. Mm -hmm. And we know that trust, if there's low trust, that gets in the way of people being able to show up as their full self, give Mm -hmm. their best effort and feel connected in a Mm -hmm. sense of belonging. 
Exactly. And it tamps down the potential of creativity, which could provide an incredible outcome for our companies. Yeah, I agree. So I think back to your point, leaders will need support, guidance, training to get there and maybe some measurement put in place on how they manage people with all of these things in mind. But I think if we back into like what our out, what the outcome mm-hmm. and the ideal state is, then we can build that infrastructure and put it into place, just like we do our financial modeling or just like we do for our, our overall strategic plan. And it, it also will take having strong people leadership who have a seat at the table at the elbow of the CEO who is charged with helping provide this guidance, you know, and and whether that's coming from them or bringing in consultants, it's going to be part of their, the retention strategy, Mm -hmm. the attraction strategy, the messaging though, that a company is going to put out about who they are and who they want to attract. Yeah. And back to your point around succession planning, you know, as, right, as people are leaving organizations, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's job switching, personal decisions, or, you know, retiring, mm-hmm. we need to be developing those people underneath. And if there's a big delta right, of skills and capabilities, mm-hmm. that's going to be particularly disruptive for organizations. So I, I think there's probably a couple of strategies there. One is the leadership, maybe the org design, the leadership development, but then also investing in some skill training with the younger workers mm-hmm. on the social and emotional intelligence skills, which they're hungry for. That's my, been my experience. Um, mm-hmm. And then also it's back to your point about how can we be really intentional about bringing people physically together? So, you know, people value flexibility and the ability to do some work from home, mm-hmm. but how can we also be really thoughtful about, okay, let's bring people together and use that as an opportunity try to develop each other, to enhance our relationships and our workplace mm-hmm. culture. I think that's super, super important as well. Absolutely. And the leaders will need to show up and role model what they want to see out of their people as well. It, you know, it's, I feel like this is a, a societal thing though. It's all hands on deck. I mean, it's up to us to make or break our future. And, you know, I, for me, I'm standing on the edge looking into the future and I'm looking at what's happening with our youth. And it seems very obvious to me. I, I I'm genuinely surprised each time I bring this topic up, the surprise on people's faces when they realize, oh no, you know, my 10-year-old might have to start and spend most of their career sitting in their home. That's when it starts to land, when it matters to them and their Personal. Yeah. 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 So I get it because we're all human and we're all taking care of our own, but there's something much bigger out there. And I don't, I guess I haven't come up with a good metaphor or analogy to liken it to, but I, I, I feel like we could be in a crisis situation 10 years out mm-hmm. with a huge deficit if we don't pay attention and be mindful about how we want to build the scaffolding to get these people there into the future. Yeah, I know. It, it is compelling if you have young 
kids, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is personal and we, everybody obviously wants the best for their kids. And to think that, okay, my child's going to graduate and then they're going to go and sit, you know, they're going to do a primarily remote job and go sit in a room all day by themselves. It's like, that's not what you wish for, for your kids. No, no. Not good for their mental well-being and their development. So I do, I, I agree with you. I think it could be a bigger problem than we realize yet at this point. Mm-hmm. It, you know, any I- ideas or recommendations that you've discovered um, on like, how can people learn more about this? Mm. Do you know anything? Well, there are, there are people out there that write on the topics of, you know, the generations who have become experts in leading generations. Mm-hmm. Some of the, some of the material may have become dated. Like for a while I was reading, I'm going to probably butcher her name, but Lee Kara Hare, it's C-A-R-A-H-E-R. She wrote a book called Millennials in Management. Mm-hmm. And then she wrote a subsequent book. And it was through her hard knocks of going through economic, difficult economic times and, and losing some of her millennial population and then the cost to the company to have to recruit, navigating that, figuring out what drives that generation at, at large. And then in that internal infrastructure to really get the most out of the people while they're there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she talks about a concept of like letting them go when they're ready yeah. to kind of go, but being that place that they want to come back to yes. and bring back those skills that they fly off and go get. It's kind of a beautiful way to think of it. And then I quoted Dr. Meg Jay, of course, um, in my keynote about the latchkey kid generation. And she wrote The Defining Decade. And she also did a TED Talk. And I highly recommend it's only, you know, 15 minutes. Go listen, Dr. Meg Jay, The Defining Decade. And what she's really talking about is like this lost zone. And this isn't generational based specifically, but it's in your 20s. That is when you are in your final push of brain development. And once your frontal lobe closes, there are a lot of things that are locked into place with how we do what we do, our processes, the way we get things done, the way that we think, all of these things. I bought that book for my kids. It's really about not not wasting that time and expecting that, you know, that something divine is going to hit you on the head and that you're going to know what your purpose is. It's about do something in the meantime. Go get involved. Go work. Go be a barista if you need to, if you're not ready for college, but go have relationships, go talk to people, go study, you know, do, do something, but don't just sit back in a bubble. So those are two, two places. I I think that we're going to, I think the research is going to be evolving in the next year or two. And a lot of it is going to be an outcome of the the pandemic will blame. I think a lot of it, I I think a lot of it is technology-based because Mm -hmm. they are able to spend so much time on devices. And frankly, adults are busy. So we hand them devices so we can do our work. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. if we also think of it this way, and this is not answering your question, Mm -hmm. it was pretty outrageous for a lot of parents at a certain point to continue to have their children at home. They're like, we need our kids in school. Well, why? They're trying to work. So it's okay when it's convenient for them to have their kids out of the house with someone else who's not working from home. But, you know, what about down the line, you know, when we need those parents to be in an office with 
kid with people that are older and just, you know, entering that workforce. So it, it's all a cascading effect. And I think a lot of it is just opening up our eyes and getting outside of our own skin and our own, the things that only matter to us in the moment and looking at a longer range. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah, I agree. Good. Well, thanks for sharing those resources. And I know, I mean, I've done my own little searching online. There's, there's a ton of information out there, as you said about the generations, I know Pew, the Pew organization, PEW, they do a lot of research on generations. And in my searches, I saw a lot coming up around young people feeling a lot of stress, concern for the future, from a financial standpoint, also, as we mentioned, the mental health. So I think it's worth educating, continue to educate ourselves, talking to the young people that we know in our community, in our organizations to really understand their needs so that we can best support them. We definitely need to talk with them. I have a mentee from a nonprofit that I'm affiliated with. And after she listened to my presentation, she's like, wow, you make some really interesting points. And what I could tell you is I don't mind being in the office some of the time, but you have to realize not all of us have a car. We cannot afford a car to get to the office and think of all the challenges it takes to get from train to bus or what have you to get into an office. So, you know, there's a lot of conversation to be had and, and so many stakeholders that, you know, we need to kind of come together and find out what's the best overall solution. Cause it's not, it's not gonna, one solution isn't going to fit everybody for all situations. We know that. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, this has been great. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure we can spend more time <laughs> talking about this and, and it'll be great to stay in touch and just see, you know, how things go. I will like, I would like to add a link to your HR Disrupt Talk as oh, well. Oh yeah, that'd be great. In the notes, because that's again, quick five minutes, but packed full of really good information. So, and thanks for sharing some of those resources and, you know, hopefully this is a conversation that will continue and, and raise some awareness and we can incorporate some of the suggestions within our organizations. So, well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. 